and welcome to We Are History podcast. I'm comedian and history nerd Angela Barnes. Uh, I am John O'Farrell, uh, comedy writer, author, and uh, history buff. I'm going to. I've just promoted myself above you. I'm not. Is, uh, above buff, nerd. is Buff Trump nerd? I think Buff Trump's nerd. Yeah. It's, it's slightly more um, rigorous, I think, a buff than a nerd. Yes, I have written two uh, history books: uh, Natalie Impartial History of Britain and the Utterly Exasperated History of Modern Britain, uh, on the basis that I have uh, a history A level. So I think that makes me a buff. I haven't written any books on history, <laughs> and I didn't do history A level. I'm just in it for the. I know, but you seem to always get the facts right. When I sort of mumble on about stuff and just go, and about that time, you're going, well, it was uh, 73 years later, John, and it was the act of settlement. It's like, oh, well, okay, we'll you see. know your stuff. We'll see in this one. So this is a podcast where we read the book so that you don't have to. Exactly. And this week's subject is something that sort of always in the background when I was growing up as being a big thing, and that is televangelism. So televangelism is... Uh, one of those portmanteau words uh, that the Americans are so good at inventing. It's a cross between broadcasting and Christianity, uh, sort of evangelical um, mass market cable channels in America. It's, it's a very American it is. thing, isn't it? A very American phenomenon. Though we do have Christian TV channels here. But Not that I've ever watched. It's where you skip to to you're, get to the news channel. You've, you've, you've got up to channel 873 by the time you find some yeah, exactly. South London happy exactly. clappy It's when you're looking for the there. adult channels in a hotel, isn't it, John? That's when you <laughs> come across I've them. N- I have, I've spoken to my solicitor and he's told me to say nothing in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but in America, because I, I grew up, I remember being aware of this phenomenon. of uh, Phenomenon? <laughs> phenomenon. Do, 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 that's no, a word. Um, of televangelism. Because it's sort of, it's the same beast, isn't it, as the mega churches and your Billy Grahams and Yeah, your... well, Billy Graham was actually a sort of a broadcaster as well as a sort of a, a stadium filler. Yeah. Um, but we're talking about something that is a sort of conflation of mass market communications, uh, free enterprise, American yeah. sort of ambition. But it's, and... very, it's very rooted in the sort of American dream thing, yes. isn't it? And the sort of patriotic... Yeah, American. Even though there's a, you know, supposed to be a division between church and state. Yeah. Well, we'll come on to that. But link we will come at, on yeah, to that. Yeah. But um, so, so, Angela, so maybe Angela, I should lead... go back to the beginning of yeah. of how televangelism became a thing. Yeah. So if you go right back to the the first radio broadcast, there was it. The yeah. sp- first speech uh, radio broadcast was a religious broadcast. Oh, okay. Um, it was, was reading the from the Bible. So it was in, was, was it, Re- uh, it was uh, by Reginald Fessenden, did the first successful oh. voice transmission on Christmas Eve, 1906. So not Rabbi Lionel Blue then. Not Ra- <laughs> Rabbi Lionel Blue, no. And uh, not Thought for the Day. Um, and he did it to ships at sea off the coast of Massachusetts. And it was sacred music and New Testament readings. So it could be said that the very first broadcast was a religious broadcast. Okay, that's interesting. Um, so when radio stations became a thing in America, the first radio station was KDKA in Pittsburgh in 1920. Okay. And uh, it was in November 1920 that became a regular radio station broadcasting the first sort of radio Was that network. religious or was that? It wasn't. Two months later, they started to have a religious program um, on there. So they have one broadcast on a Sunday. Um, oh, okay. Sort of songs of praise, highway. Right, that, highway. That sort of thing. Oh, I miss highway. highway. Harry Seacombe. Oh, bless God him. rest him. He is dead, isn't he? He yes, is, yeah. He is, yeah. <laughs> it's, a Sorry, new no. channel, it's a new panel show we're coming up with called Are They Dead Yet? Yeah, that's a really good <laughs> so, idea. Jacques Cousteau, Red Rum. 
<laughs> Horse winner or dog meat? You decide. I was doing some research about something yesterday. For, I filmed Mot the Week last night and um, I was doing some research about the Tebbit test in cricket. So oh, yeah, yeah I remember World that. Cup's yeah. going on as we record this. And uh, I genuinely thought he was dead. Tebbit? Oh, no. He, he... Thought slash hoped. No, um, no. Did I say that? No, <laughs> no you didn't. No, no. The mail will be on to you. Um, yes. No, when I was in a, 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 the mail went for me. They rang up Tebbit to see what they he thought about my book and all the things I'd said about Thatcher and he was like oh, really? quoting about me what a vile corrupt person John O'Farrell is so it's a sort of badge of honour I have oh that I'd have that tattooed yeah. on my arm <laughs> if, if Norman Tebbit said I was vile and corrupt go on Norman make that the last <laughs> thing you do please anyway back to what we're actually talking about um, the first sort of religious broadcaster to get a mass audience was actually a Catholic priest okay and his name was Father Charles E. Coughlin is it okay. C-O-U-G-H-L-I-N yeah, Coughlin, yeah. Cochlin. Yeah, we'll say that. In 1926. And um, he went national with his broadcast the to the nation. I think he was proper sort of uh, fire and brimstone. Okay, Catholic, you are guilty. Absolutely. The Virgin Mary's looking over your shoulder when you masturbate, that sort of thing. That's the you sort of... But, uh, and I think about old Father Charles, the word demagogue gets thrown about okay. <laughs> quite a lot. So I think people were a bit... Um, by people, I mean, you know, the authorities. Got a bit alarmed. We're getting a bit alarmed about the power that he had. So um, broadcasters sort of got nervous then about having... So what, they legislate or something? Did and they? they? Well, not not quite yet. Okay. But they got nervous about having religious broadcasters. We've given so much power, yeah. So much power. Yeah. So the radio networks all sort of got together and decided they'd have a certain amount of free airtime for the mainline religions, so the Protestant okay. religions, Catholic, right. things like that. Now, Zoroastrians the, didn't get very much. Not, not the Zoroastrians. <laughs> no, now, what happened? The evangelicals, yeah. they were a bit more... Um, well, there was a bit of a difference between your Protestants and your evangelicals from the late 19th century. They kind of split off okay. in their goals. That Protestants became much more about um, the society, you know, and about right. helping society and about making the world that you live in a place, you know, a Christian place. Yes. Whereas evangelicals, they were all about the individual. Right. Really. And all about spreading the word of okay. Christ and converting people. So they were much, much more about... Much zealous and much more... Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. And uh, that uh, individual thing, I suppose, chimed with the American dream and the sort of uh, the uh, the politics of America as we get closer to when this becomes a big televisual thing in, Absolutely. in America later on. Absolutely. So what that meant was that the Protestants and the other mainline religions weren't, didn't really recognise broadcasting radio and then TV when it came along as a means for reaching the masses in the way the evangelicals really see. They were evangelical it. about it. And they were almost, yeah, well done. See what you've done there, John. <laughs> so um, from the start, US broadcasting has been very much sort of part of the free market economy. So you yes. can buy airtime. Anyone yeah. can buy airtime. So evangelicals really seized on this as a way to get the word, inverted commas, out yeah. to people. And they would buy up airtime in the different networks across the country and uh, fill it with religious broadcasting. Now, of course, this costs money. Ah. Now, if you're selling, say, a car, the advertising for your car gets built into the cost of the car, right? So yeah. you eventually buy the car and that's how you make that advertising money back. If you're selling God, yes. say what you like about God. Right. Right. He doesn't make a lot of money just himself. So what they would have to do is beg for money right. to pay for the TV airtime that they were buying. Okay. So, so it became this sort of self-perpetuating 
thing where TV evangelists would go on TV to spread the word, which mostly involved getting money. <laughs> right. So it's sort of like a, a Christian telethon sort of thing. It's exactly. Like, yeah. Exactly. And people sent in a lot of money. Right. It was, um, you know, millions of listeners. So we're now into the, the 50s or something? Or? We're in the 50s, 60s yes. now. Our TV's sort of, so televangelism first sort of really hit in the 1960s. Yes. There were several big players in yep. the evangelical uh, TV arena um, we haven't got time to talk about all of them. No. There are lots of them. Yeah, yeah. But I guess the big ones that people might have heard of are people like Pat Robertson. Yes, indeed. Um, he was the Christian Broadcasting Network. He was part of that. And um, what he did in 1977, um, which is something, again, that mainline religions weren't thinking of doing, was he leased a satellite. Right. Um, or he leased a satellite transponder so that he could beam his programs not just to one the city at a time but from the heavens yes sort of across the nation yes. which is quite a big yeah big, um, yes because these would have been local to start with some of these programs absolutely. they would have been in and Oregon or in do... South Carolina or Baton Rouge I think was where uh, Jim Baker started so these are places yeah. that these were uh, started out as locals and and then he had the vision to sort of uh, make it to make it be and they were really good at using new technology in the yeah. way that again mainline traditions weren't so good at they were enterprising. They were very enterprising. So, for example, you had Pat Robertson buying a satellite transponder so he could broadcast. You had, with the advent of the VHS tape, that made a really big difference because right. before that, people were literally, they were making the TV shows and then would have to take the tape that they'd made them on if they wanted to syndicate it across the country and drive that tape to different cities. Oh, I see. And because it was so expensive to make... It was a slow process. You'd yeah. be passing one tape yeah. around. And America's a very city. big country, as we know. Yeah. So you might have somebody doing yeah. the broadcast on one day. Yeah. And and somebody on the other coast, you know, the opposite right. coast, not seeing it for another three or four days. Yeah. The same broadcast. Whereas VHS tapes were cheaper, so they could make more of them. And 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 distribute them all at and once. And distribute them yeah. Yeah. out there. It's it's interesting that the, the people that seem to adopt technology fastest are pornographers and evangelists. <laughs> that, like, it does, yes, that's, that's the a, reason. That the, Venn the diagram. Reason, is yeah, <laughs> it's, it's quite... Because um, the reason VHS won over Betamax was all to do with pornography. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, because... Uh, We're back on your home subjects now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're not that sparsely linked, are they? Pornography and evangelica, evangelism. Um, yeah. I just thought of a name for my new show. What? Evangela. Very good. I'm having that. Evangela, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, Edinburgh 2020. Gonna, Edinburgh 2020, she'll be asking for money and uh, praise God and pass the checkbook. <laughs> I'm going to have one of those little Britney Spears mics yeah, like yeah. they do. So, um, so one of the big characters so, I've got written down here is Oral, Oral Roberts. Uh, so um, sort of, he was one of the godfathers of television. Oral Roberts, yeah. What can you be except a speaker <laughs> if either, your name is Oral? <laughs> either, in fact, porn or television. Oh, yes, see, they're very linked. <laughs> yes. But he uh, he was very much into faith healing and yeah. uh, claiming he could raise the dead. Um, yeah. uh, he was sort of, but a lot of these people started out as struggling preachers in churches. Um, but when he was 29, he said God appeared to him and directed him to heal the sick. So uh, he went on faith healing crusades across America and, and people queued up to have his hands laid upon them. You know, when you're sick, you're desperate and you're dying. It's or something. almost like they prayed on the most vulnerable. They, pr they did. A good pun. That's Isn't yeah, it? Prayed. I mean, there's incredible <laughs> stories of things that people did. There was a preacher um, whose name was Peter Popoff, which okay. I mean, that's a great name. Yeah. It's a, a tongue Peter twister. Peter Popoff. Yeah. And, um, 
he convinced people to buy his miracle water right. uh, in television Would I be right in guessing that this might just be ordinary water? Well, <laughs> what what he said it was, and this is absolutely true, so this is in the uh, much more recently that this yeah. happened. Um, he said that it was water from a spring in Chernobyl. Oh, okay. That doesn't make me that, want to buy it more, I have to say. Well, the, the people <laughs> from Chernobyl who drank from that spring were not affected by radiation poisoning. Right, again, I'd need to see the medical evidence. For you see, well, yeah. So he told people that this was miracle water and he sold it by the bottle uh, on his TV show. Um, however, in 2013, I think, somebody who worked for his ministry yeah. did a tell-all book Wow. And it turned out that they were bottles of mineral water from Costco. <laughs> that that his wife was going and buying. Yes, I mean, the one thing I'll say about the whole televangelism movement is it seems to uh, follow a similar pattern with so many of these guys. We'll probably get onto some of this in the second half. Absolutely. But the, the huge uh, increase in influence, reach and donations yeah. seems to lend itself to a pattern of corruption, scandal, uh, deceitfulness, and uh, what they would say is the devil took me and I have sinned and whatever. Absolutely. Um, and of course, one of the interesting things about Christianity is one of the tenets of Christianity is forgiveness. Oh, I see. Yeah. So, so they get away with it. It was incredible what these televangelists got away with. Yeah. Um, and so I think in the, yeah, in the second half of the podcast, we'll look at some of the yeah. amazing stories. Yeah. So, so during this... I was just going to say a bit more about Oral Roberts, actually. Uh, oh, sorry, I, yes. No, yeah, I mean, because um, he founded his own university. He was, uh, got so successful that he founded the uh, Oral Roberts University, which is not <laughs> one that I remember any of my kids or their friends put down to get in clearing. You know, where are you going? I've got Leeds, Newcastle, or maybe I might go to Oral Roberts Christian University. Um, and students there are required to sign an honour code pledging not to drink, smoke, or engage in pre-marital I mean, that doesn't sound activities. like my university no, experience, I, think, I have to yeah. say. So that didn't go down too well. But um, there's, um, you were going to come on to another, well, I think, some of the other um, characters. One of the most interesting characters, I think, uh, to start with, is, is well, coupling is um, Jim and... Jim Baker. Tammy Baker. Yeah. So we have Pat Robertson, the guy who bought the satellite yep. transponder. Uh, he ran a big broadcasting yeah. platform for, for yeah. televangelism. And he originally hired this couple. Now, they were a couple who met at Bible college. Yeah. Uh, Where but you get they were the girls. Both Bible college dropouts. <laughs> were they? They were. Uh, however, within a year <laughs> from yeah. dropping out, they, yeah. they uh, were taken on by Pat Robertson as puppeteers. That's right. With. Now, I watched the whole film about this called The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Right. Where Tammy's the rather well-made-up wife. Yes, uh, sort yes. Of, uh, I mean, it was the 1980s, I think. Yeah, so you say the, 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 the foundation was thick and the eyelashes were long <laughs> on Tammy. And they're rather weirdly, this, even though it's made with her blessing, this documentary, it's, it's very camp and very sort of... Um, yeah. It's narrated by RuPaul Charles, which gives you an idea of the tone of it. But yeah, they were they did the puppets. They did the sort of little. So they did a puppet show and Christian um, puppet show kids, and it went so well that eventually Pat Robertson took Jim Baker on to front his show called the Seven Hundred Club. Yeah, which was a massive deal amongst evangelical right wing Christians. Yeah, in America. Yeah, and so he became the front man of that. But then some time elapsed and him and Pat Robertson had a falling out. Yes. Um, and so he then went on, Jim Baker and his wife, Tammy, 
went on to start the PTL Club. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord Club. <laughs> um, brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> and the Praise the Lord Club became sort of a rival to that original network. Yeah. Uh, again, massive reach. It started yeah. in, I believe, North Carolina, um, but spread across the country. And it was so popular that they built a base called, uh, I think it was the Heritage Club at that point. Yeah. And the Heritage Club had 3,000 employees. It was the biggest employer in Charlotte yeah. in North Carolina at that time. God, yeah. So and that's that... how massive this is. Now, I think we should probably take a little break here. Yes, there's so much. Because so basically we want to get to the scandal. We want to get to yes. the fun <laughs> stuff. Because, uh, you know, I think most people listening will remember, if they were alive in the 1980s, will remember some of this stuff. The, when some it all of the came, scandals. These empires. The... I mean, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars people had here, yeah. uh, these industries. Uh, they had a huge reach to, particularly in the south, southern states, uh, where people would send in their savings you know, to stop people going under as they claim they would or that the yeah. devil would win. And it was incredible the way that, you know, I've watched some of their sort of broadcasts where the way that they get money for, you know, that Jesus will bless you, but he will rescind those blessings if you don't pay the oh, money. Oh, they're pretty on the nose about it. You know, they were really yeah. that, and people bought it, you know, that thought yeah. that Jesus's love could be taken away from them if yeah. they didn't pay the money. And there's a sort of mania to many of these preachers. They're very charismatic mm. and sort of uh, uh, demagogic speakers. And it yeah. would be like, you know, touch the screen now, touch the screen and you will be saved. And there's all these pitch these people in sort of these uh, little houses across the southern states, touching their TV screen, imagining that their cancer would be cured and sending in their money in the hope yeah. that this was going to happen. So I think it's very easy, isn't it, for us to sort of sit back and go, idiots. Yeah. You know, that. but, but, but it was like I, a mass hysteria. But I, I am going to do that. Andrew. You are going to do yeah, that. Yeah. You are going to. John, if you write me a check. But no. Yeah. So that's um, one thing we should say, actually, is that this podcast uh, is sponsored by Jesus. And if you want to hear the second half, send in your money, money now. This podcast going. Touch your smartphone and you'll be blessed. Send us hundreds of pounds. Uh, yeah, well, we're just going off to count the money now. The scandal, the corruption, the prostitutes, all that's coming up in part two. Welcome back to the We're History podcast. In fact, you haven't gone anywhere. You just had to listen to an advert or two. But we have uh, had a short break and we are talking about televangelism, religious broadcasting in the United States. One thing we should say from the outset was that there was always a very strong sense among Christians in the 50s and 60s, perhaps, that politics was not something that ministers should get involved in because yeah. their job was to spread the word of God and their job was to follow Jesus, not follow a politician. And you didn't say whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. You had strong opinions about plenty of things, but um, you never got specifically involved in politics. Mm. And in fact, for some of these right-wing guys who later became very involved in politics, they had always said they couldn't get involved in the civil rights movement in the 60s. Funny that, and they looked it? at Martin Luther King and they disapproved of him being a church man getting involved in, in the politics of the... They couldn't the, get involved the, in politics when Martin Luther King <laughs> yes, was, was on the scene. The Selma Ronald Reagan, March. however. Yes. So then this is a key moment in the whole thing. In the late 70s, Jerry Falwell, who uh, is one of the key players in this um, unedifying drama, formed something called the Moral Majority. Now, I always thought when I heard the phrase the Moral Majority, I just thought it was just this vague notion um, of these people who felt they were the moral majority and this idea of, uh, like we might talk about the uh, the silent majority or people. But then the yeah. moral majority is a proper organisation with a chief executive and Yeah, officers. I hadn't realised it was a proper so, yeah, setup. It's, it's a proper political organisation uh, and it 
was key to the election of Ronald Reagan and has been very important to American politics ever since. So around 79, just before, at the end of um, Jimmy Carter's administration, Jimmy Carter was you know, a Democrat, got elected off the back of Watergate. He was a, a openly Christian man and probably mm -hmm. got some Christian votes along the way. But Jerry Falwell said his son said, why don't you do something about it, Dad? Uh, you're always complaining about the state of the world. Why don't you get up and do something about it? He said, that, that spoke to me and my son's words stayed with me. And so they started to campaign quite openly for uh, the for Reagan. Right, for Reagan, invited him to their, they had this thing called uh, I Love America rallies. Mm. Uh, and they had a huge turnout and they would pray and they Reminds would... me of something. Yes, I know. I love America. Rallies. What is it that rings a bell with today? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, even Trump today still benefits from the... Uh, uh, I don't think Trump cares one way or the other about abortion, but he no, plays that he... card because he knows getting that Republican right uh, vote is worth millions and millions of votes. Yeah. So uh, about 1980, they invited Ronald Reagan and now he had to play this very carefully. He said, I cannot ask you to endorse me because you are church people mm -hmm. and I would never do that. But let me just say this. <laughs> I endorse what you are doing. Huge cheers, huge cheers. Enormous number of votes for Reagan in 1980. Yep. And the conflation of Christianity and right-wing republicanism, republicanism uh, had sort of taken place. And it, once that genie was out of the bottle, it's been very hard to put it back ever since. Well, it hasn't gone back ever no. since, has it? Because now certainly, you know, Reagan was elected very early in my lifetime. And in, in my head, there's a definite connection between yeah. evangelical Christianity and the right-wing politics in America. There's no, you know, I can't yeah, imagine absolutely. a time when there wasn't a... I went to an, I remember the night that Reagan was elected. It was my first term at university and we hadn't, I went to an end of the world party. <laughs> <laughs> there was always a picture of the Gone with the Wind poster with Maggie Thatcher in the arms of Ronald Reagan as uh, uh, <laughs> Butler with a bomb going off in the background. But it showed oh. me age a bit there. But yeah. um, And also, I mean, who... Where we were a few years later. I mean, yeah. oh, Trump was elected on my 40th birthday. I don't know oh, if I really? mentioned that on oh, the God. Happy birthday. podcast before. He was elected on my 40th and I was in a nuclear bunker. He's <laughs> just so, taking uh, no chances. Yeah, absolutely. When that news came through, we're like, well, we live here now. That's, um, That's it. Yeah. Um, so wasn't just Reagan getting elected in uh, 1980 that made people realise the strength of the Christian right vote in America, because what happened in Congress was quite remarkable as well. And loads of uh, Democratic congressmen and women got wiped out. And they, the moral majority had their own report card. They would score their uh, congressmen on how they voted in various things. And this wasn't always on Christian issues. It was like uh, policy towards Taiwan and relationships right. with China. And they were, if they, you know, it's a very complex issue. They about, had influence on yeah, all... everything. And you, and, and, you know, it was um, it's up to these self-appointed moral majorities yeah. to say what what passed and what didn't pass, and what was who was a good politician and who was a bad politician. Yeah. Complete on some very abstract issues that they really shouldn't have you know getting involved with at all. Yeah. Uh, so the middle moral majority is sort of uh, this thing alongside televangelism, which is very important because the yeah. reach of these people, unregulated, um, self-appointed, taking a lot, lot of money. Of ordinary so of course, Americans. Yeah. So what we've got going on, we've mm. got the moral majority is able to therefore disguise this sort of level. Of, it's the 1980s. Yeah. It's the, you know, Gordon Gecko. It's yeah. the and real sort of 
yeah. uh, money is king kind of Yeah, and uh, the, the, te- the key televangelists were not shy of uh, treating uh, themselves to some luxuries either. Absolutely. So Oral Roberts, I was talking about Oral Roberts earlier. He, he was running a $120 million a year organisation. Um, during a 1987 fundraising drive, he said to the audience that unless he raised $8 million by March, God would call him home. So that he would die, basically, he was saying, and uh, and he then later claimed that later that year had God had raised the dead through his ministry. It, it was incredible to me how specific they could be about how much money. Yeah, how much <laughs> God had told them, you know. God will strike us down if we don't raise seven point two million dollars yeah. by next Wednesday, you know. And yeah, Oral Roberts, you know, uh, had Italian silk suits and diamond rings mm. and gold bracelets, and then in his publicity pictures, his staff would airbrush all this yeah. detail out. While his son was saying, "He, I've seen my father raise the dead. And people were believing yeah. that these miracles were taking place because they've heard it on the TV screens from these uh, very convincing... Well, there were lots of... What's the name of the guy? I can't remember his name now. Who sort of exposed Yuri Geller for... Oh, yeah, his, yeah. I can't remember, he, he was an American magician. Right. His name I can't remember. But he also started exposing televangelists. He exposed right. one uh, who he discovered was um, wearing an earpiece. Okay. Um, in fact, that might have been Peter Popoff. Uh, he would, you know, at these massive rallies, he would pick someone out of the audience and tell them he would know their name, their address, what was wrong with them, what ails them, what they needed praying for. And it turned out that his right. wife was talking to him through an earpiece and was right. getting all the information from the application right. forms they'd form, <laughs> okay. filled in to get there, you know. Okay. So all, all of this corrupt stuff was going on. But let's yeah. go back. To Let's talk about Jim and Tammy Baker. Jim and Tammy Baker. This is this is a great so, story. We've got Jim and Tammy, Tammy Baker. They've got Heritage Village, which is their base in North Carolina. The money is rolling in. It became the second largest employer in the area. Praise the Lord Ministries, and um, eventually they opened a Christian theme park. Yes. Uh, now this was called Heritage USA. This yes. was in South Carolina. Yes. And it was, it sounds incredible. Uh, it was a theme park with hotels. And and rides. Water slides. yeah. And it's where you and your Christian family could go and spend a weekend. Yeah. Um, so now, know, to make, to build this. So instead of getting hugged by sort of Mickey Mouse or something, you get hugged by the disciples or Mary Magdalene or something. So, I don't know. <laughs> I wonder how it works. Just uh, and it's like and... uh, water flumes down holy water or something. I don't know. No, it's all very Protestant, isn't it? Of course, it's all very. <laughs> no, this is this is. We should say all of this is very well. Uh, Pentecostal cost, and it know. cost um, 150 million dollars, right. and they got that all through donations from 150 thousand people. Wow. Jim Baker sent a letter to. Uh, people yeah. to say that him and Tammy were broke. Right. Uh, that they put everything they had into the Heritage USA theme park. Yes. And they needed your money. They needed this $150 million because they had put everything they had into it and it was over to you now. Wow. On the same day that letter was sent, yes. Jim Baker bought a $30,000 houseboat. Oh, that sounds nice. So I don't think they'd put <laughs> all their money. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, no, quite. So they were... Uh, they were taking a lot of money off people, uh, yeah. preying on people's gullibility and living a very lavish very lifestyle. lavish lifestyle. They had private jets. They had yeah. homes all over the States and they would fly to different vacation properties in their yes. private jets. They had Rolls Royces yeah. that they drove around in. They had an incredibly 
lavish lifestyle that they would justify by saying it was God's will for yeah. them to have these yes. things. Yes. So meanwhile, a plucky reporter at the Charlotte Observer is digging away at all of this and starts to investigate Jim Baker and his wife and start yeah. to ask a lot of difficult questions. There were a few things going on at that yeah. time because the other thing that Jim Baker and his wife had started to do uh, was talk about um, uh, missionary projects in yep. foreign countries. So they said that they needed £350,000 for a TV dollars, station dollars, in Korea yeah. right. in order to promote the word of God. Yeah. Uh, same in Brazil and the Middle yeah. East. And uh, they collected a lot of money and made a lot of promises for these things to happen. Um, but the Charlotte Observer, the newspaper, were pretty sure that this yeah. money... Yeah. wasn't ever leaving the country. Yeah. He was trying to avoid being interviewed by the journalist from the Charlotte Observer who wouldn't let go of this. And eventually, uh, uh, the scandal that broke him was uh, the scandal with uh, Jessica, Jessica Hahn. Hahn. Now, different accounts of this uh, uh, phrase this differently, mm. but she alleged that she was drugged and raped by, yeah. by him Jim, and, Fletch, Jim and John Fletch. Wesley Fletcher. Yeah. Then she was paid off and, and, and to drop the case. Basically what they had done, they had um, hired her. She was a church secretary. Yeah. And they had hired her as a babysitter right. and flew her to Florida where they met her in a hotel where she alleges that uh, they drugged her and she was raped and that they then made her sign a document right. to say that it hadn't happened right. and paid her $250,000. Yes. Now, um, Jim Baker, when this all came out, Jim mm -hmm. Baker stood down temporarily mm -hmm. as the head of the PTL. He thought it was temporary. And Jerry Falwell came on the scene and said, well, I'll take over for a bit for you. Yeah. And he said to him, uh, and just to, just to tide you over. And uh, Jim Baker thought he'd be coming back. Yeah. But then Jerry Fall said to him, this is all in the film, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. He goes to him, look, whatever you need, just tell me what you need. I'll make sure you get them. So they, he wrote out a list. He said, I still want the car. I yeah. want the money. I want the house. I need the private jet. Uh, I want the um, basically this list of very luxurious things. Mm. And then Jerry Fowler went on air and said, this is what he has demanded of me, of your money. This is yeah. what he is saying he wants. And uh, Falwell called Baker probably the greatest scab and cancer on the face of Christianity in 2,000 years of church history. So he completely stabbed he Baker completely in the back. completely stabbed him in the back. I mean, that, you know, think about this, the, the Spanish Inquisition and some of the baddies in Christianity over the past 2,000 years. Jim Baker was put <laughs> right at the top of the list there by Jerry Falwell. So basically, Jim Baker came crashing to the ground and Falwell was now the, uh, the king of that particular ranch. And um, uh, Heritage USA fell into uh, bankruptcy. It's now an overgrown theme park. Abandoned theme park is a spooky and slightly chilling vision of overgrown rides. And uh, I, I kind yeah, of, yeah. That's, yeah um, might be a great place to go and visit now. Wouldn't it? Just. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about Fallwell. So Baker's crash was dramatic. Yeah. Um, Fallwell himself is a fairly dodgy character. He, One of the founding figures of the moral majority. He said the 9-11 attacks were because the feminist gays and lesbians and pagans had angered God, <laughs> saying the attacks were probably deserved. Thanks, Jerry, for that. Yeah. He also, he's the guy who uh, singled out Tinky Winky <laughs> from the Teletubbies fame as being, because, <laughs> this is what made me laugh. He said that uh, Tinky Winky uh, promoted homosexuality because he was purple and purple's a gay colour. <laughs> now, as far as I'm concerned, isn't, it's a all colours are the gay colour because it's a rainbow. Okay, but yeah, well, once, once you give way to one colour, Angela, you're letting, <laughs> and and it is, uh, the symbol on his head is a triangle, which is a gay pride uh, symbol. 
he said that role modeling in the gay lifestyle is damaging to the moral lives of our children, which uh, thank you, uh, Joey, for coming to the uh, the Hackney uh, you know, lesbian gay meeting. But, but we uh, do. We talk about this. While, yeah. you know, it's as we're recording this, it's June 2019 yeah, and we yeah. have protesters on the streets about in the UK about homosexuality being taught in schools. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. Then there was the other one. Jimmy Swagger was another very Jimmy big... Swagger was interesting. Jimmy Swagger, again, was one of those who would quite happily, um, you know, help to defrock another preacher. Yes. While at the same time. So he denounced Jimmy, uh, Jim Baker. They're all called Jim or Jimmy, aren't they? Did he denounce Jimmy Baker? Lots of yeah. Jays involved in this. John oh. Fletcher, Jimmy. No, I've got a Jim. Jerry. I'm worried. Um, uh, yeah, John O'Farrell. Yeah. Oh, awkward. Praise the Lord. <laughs> yes, in so, 1988, Jimmy Swaggart's Fall from Grace. Well, Jim Swaggart's fall from grace was uh, he was photographed um, with a prostitute. Yes. Um, and of course, man, you have to remember when they when they were caught, these guys were all tearful on camera oh, and they used it as they're you preaching. You can see them on weeping. YouTube, yeah. the, these tearful confessions. And of course, they Send can Send us use, more money. <laughs> well, they because it's Christianity, Christianity yeah. provokes confession, yeah. provokes confession and forgiveness. They would go and they're going, oh, I've... I've you know, the devil a took me. A devil, the devil took me. Yeah, Please send me your money so that we Please can forgive me. And they would be forgiven. And more money would come and piling in. Set up their ministries again. And he was a um, swagger. Was an avid like consumer of porn, and he experimented with the bondage and well, sadomasochism. He was the the prostitute he was photographed with was quite interesting. So he it was a year after him denouncing Jim Baker for his I think it was alleged Martin, alliances. I think it was Martin Gorman. I've got written down here. So maybe I'm not sure it was it's Jim Marvin Gorman. Yeah, Marvin Gorman. Sorry, yeah. So it was a year after he denounced um, Jim Baker. Yeah. He, uh, Jimmy Swaggart was photographed right. with this prostitute right. outside a motel room. Yes. By Marvin Gorman. Right. Marvin Gorman being another preacher who <laughs> Jimmy Swaggart had previously <laughs> exposed as being right. corrupt. And, and, uh, and so it was just this sort of yeah. never ending yeah. being exposed and defrocked and forgiven and confessions. And, yeah. This whole soap opera. Yeah, Gorman um, hired his son Randy and his son-in-law to stake out the travelling uh, a Baton Rouge and they had a camera with a telephoto lens in the placed in the window of uh, room 12 and draped with a black cloth. And then when Swaggart arrived, he went to room 7 and they they uh, let the air out of his tyres on Swaggart's vehicle and knocked on his door and caught him red-handed. And he couldn't <laughs> drive away because they let the air out of his tyres. And so uh, because he double-crossed, Marvin, they yeah. they then uh, spilt the beans on him. So all these guys are all on American television, screaming and denouncing Satan and denouncing immorality and denouncing yep. premarital homosexuality. sex, homosexuality. They're all saying that they are it's must follow the way of the God. Like the lady doth protest too much. Exactly, and yeah. there they all are having sex with prostitutes, stealing the money of the people sending them in, yeah, uh, and promoting right wing politics yeah. along the way. So. Um, I think it proves that Tories are wrong. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, and, it's, it's incredibly, if we'd been recording this podcast maybe just five years ago, yeah, it would not have upset me as viscerally as yeah. it does today because yeah. we're sitting here in 2019, you know, uh, uh, Alabama have just passed their yeah. abortion yeah. Well, that's, that's where we are now, I think. We're still, we're still we reaping are, the whirlwind of this. Yeah. Uh, because it's catching up now with Trump in the... The, the, the Republicans in America don't care about Trump's corruption and his um, immoral past. Mm. They're just using him to get the votes through on abortion and various other yeah. right-wing... Uh, Meanwhile, their mistresses yeah. are having abortions left, right and centre. Yeah, yeah. And, um, um, 
So this, you know, it sort of collapsed a bit in the 80s, but it's yeah, still so there. The scandal happened in the 80s and televangelism, yeah. I think through the 90s, sort of when I was certainly watching, it, it was lambasted. It was this yeah, it was sort a joke. of joke thing that yeah. had happened. But it's still there. But it was always still there bubbling yeah. under. And of yeah. course, the internet has yes. enabled it to reach, have further reach. And more satellites. Satellite and cable TV. Yeah. So it's all still out there. and It's still a multi-million dollar industry. Absolutely. And then, then industry. There's, a, there's a whole thing now called the prosperity gospel. Uh, there's a guy called Joel Osteen who has been preaching the prosperity gospel. He's less right wing, actually. He's more sort of just about being, I mean, you know, he's not overtly political and he's saying vote Republican. Uh, and he's more tolerant of gay people. But he is basically saying becoming rich is the will of God. Do not mix with poor people. If you are poor, then it's your responsibility to get rich in America. And he is a net worth of, you know, 40 to 60 million dollars. Um, and then he, you know, the prosperity gospel effectively blames the poor for the situation yeah. they are in. Um, and yet in 2017, when Hurricane Harvey struck Texas, he had this 16,000 seater church, former baseball arena that he didn't open. The doors to he wouldn't let the uh, the homeless people or those um, who had been and um, of course Jesus would have done Jesus would have kept his church locked up. They wouldn't <laughs> let, he was eventually a force to open it up after much criticism. But you have to remember that for all this money they're making, none of them pay tax. If you're a, you've registered yourself as a religious organization yep. in America, it's all tax free. John Oliver did a joke episode of this on his program he, when he registered uh, as a, religious, a religion, and yeah. uh, they made up some religion and just uh, said, "Oh yeah, we, we don't have to pay any tax." So these guys are all running corporations, yeah. uh, but our churches but so are tax-free. Under tax -free. the umbrella of religion. Yeah, and just getting everyone's uh, money. So, I mean, it used to always be that church and state was very separate, that uh, ministers would not say which way you should vote or interfere mm. with promoting one party or the other because they're promoting God. Uh, but all that changed around 1980, and I think we're still seeing you know, that, uh, the, the, the after effects of that now and what's happening in the States today. I think I'm going to go and have a cry, John. <laughs> So send us your money. Yeah. I repeat, Andrew's going to cry until we Every reach a million dollars. Send me ten million dollars by yeah. next Tuesday. Yes. I'm going to cry. Just be grateful that we have songs of praise and thought for the day, and you, that's all you and, and that's all you have to listen to in Britain. Oh. And that we've never really crossed that line, and that um, uh, religion is such a, a low key thing in Britain. It's like, well, we're I'm sort of Church of England. Really, I never really yeah. thought about it. I'm not really religious. Just Christmas and weddings. <laughs> thank God for that. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, thank you for listening to We Are History. You can follow us on Twitter at We Are History Pod. Uh, yeah. You can follow me on Twitter at Angela Barnes. You can follow me at Mr. John O'Farrell. And we will see you next time. See you next time, folks. Thanks for listening. Praise the Lord. <laughs> uh,